Today, I'll be speaking with Benjamin Moser, the author of Why This World, a recently released biography of Clarice Lispector. Moser's book was referred to by the New York Times as, quote, a lively, intellectually rigorous, energetically researched, and finally argued biography. And the London Sun-Times wrote that, quote, Moses' biography does full justice to the complexity of that so and to the breadth of Lispector's writing. Moser, a Texan writer, translator, and book critic for Harper's Magazine, currently lives in the Netherlands and spent five years traveling to Ukraine, England, Switzerland, and many times Brazil to write one of the definitive biographies about Lispector's life. Moser's introduction to Clarice's work were the very words right at the beginning of this podcast. He first read The Hour of the Star when he was studying Portuguese at Brown University. So let's start our talk with Benjamin Moser. Uh, Benjamin, thanks for talking to me today. I really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Okay. So I was wondering if we could begin this interview by covering Clarice Lispector's family life and background. Um, Clarice was born to a Jewish family in Podolia, in what is today part of the Ukraine. And her family migrated to Brazil in order to escape the pogroms uh, in Eastern Europe, if I'm correct. That's right. Um, your book tackles uh, with the fact that Clarice's mother was um, raped, raped by Russian soldiers, uh, contracted syphilis, and then, according to the belief at the time, uh, she was hoping that her third pregnancy would cure her from the disease. Um, and Clarice was that child, uh, I think. Um, could you expand on the importance of this um, fact to Clarice's life and work? Well, I think it's one of the fundamental facts about her life, if not the fundamental fact, because, as you said, she is conceived in order to cure her mother, right. who had been attacked in this incredibly violent way. One of really hundreds of thousands of Jewish women that were attacked in this way. You know, lots more were, were murdered at this time of complete lawlessness that, that took over most of Russia after the First World War and the Russian Revolution. Um, but Clarice fails to cure her mother, and that's the real uh, tragedy of her life, is that she's created for this, and she says that it's as if she let them down in the trenches of a war. Um, and of course, um, Clarice's mother dies when she's nine. They've already made it to Hesifi, so they're, they're safer than they... You know, theoretically they're safer, but she, her mother brings with her this, this disease for which there's no cure. And when Clarice is a little girl, she tries to cure her mother by telling these magical stories. And she tells these stories. She's a really little girl. Mm -hmm. And these stories have magical endings to them in which some sort of, some sort of fairy or angel or something comes and saves her mother. And, um, that kind of magic, when she's in the taxi going to the hospital for her own for her own death when she's you know she's lived her life and she's a grown woman she still is telling this kind of story in the taxi to the people to the taxi driver and to her maid and to her friend Olga who are with her and there's something incredibly poignant about it and there's something incredibly touching about the fact that she already as a little girl had invested her writing with something this holy and this important. You know, it's not just telling a story. It's really trying to, um, as another friend said about her friend Lucio Caldos, was, um, who was gay and therefore not available to her, mm -hmm. he said, um, 
their goal was the reconstruction of the world through their writing. And that's what I think Lucio and Clarice and a lot of these kinds of writers had in common, that it wasn't just writing to tell a story. They really were trying to reconstruct the world. And in her case, she was trying to save her mother. And, and the, the regret about her mother and the horror of, of what happened to her mother and the darkness of that worldview that she got from, from knowing that story and from seeing what happened to her family is a side of Clarice that I think hasn't always been appreciated. There's a real darkness and violence in her work um, that a lot of people have not appreciated. If you look on, on Brazilian websites, there's a lot of flowers and butterflies and stuff, and it's not a lot of flowers and butterflies. I mean, there is a little bit of that, but um, but Cardisi's work is, is very tragic and very um, and very dark alongside the, the beauty of it. And I think that all comes from, from that first experience. Right. And you also say that her family's background also was very invested in this, uh, in the mystical world right. and Brazilian culture in a completely different way and with different influences also has a very strong side right. that is mystical and, you know, that combines several religions. Um, and, and it is interesting that it's sort of a, a mysticality that is transformative, that it's meant to transform the world and like the Umbanda, you know, people, they, they do magic to you know, change things in their in their life. It's not a separate thing that will happen right. as you die, right? right. Um, and so are there some similarities or sort of coincidences between, uh, like the Ukrainian Jewish background? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first coincidence is that these are, especially um, the place where she originally arrives in Brazil, which is Alagoas, which sure. is, um, I mean, especially then, you know, we're talking almost 100 years ago, this was one of the most backward parts of Brazil, and not only of Brazil, of, of Latin America. I mean, this was really a poor, poor, isolated place where slavery had been um, just abolished barely 30 years before they got there. Um, you know, it was very poor. And, and, and even Pernambuco was, um, which is the, you know, the bigger state and the much more cosmopolitan part of the Northeast, um, had a background of basic... Uh, poverty and, and slavery, which is similar to what the Jews experienced in Russia and in the Ukraine. You know, so there was a kind of um, mixture of all these different peoples who had been thrown together. You know, in the Ukraine, back then, there were even quite a few Muslims, the Tatars, you know, and, the, um, and every possible kind of Christian and lots of Jews and all these people, just like in Brazil, they borrowed from each other. Um, you know, we're used to thinking of Brazilian syncretic religion as being, you know, it's a little bit Indian, it's a little bit African, it's a little bit Catholic, it's a little bit, um, now, you know, there's a lot of um, sort of evangelical Protestantism. It's all sort of thrown together, and it's this very practical kind of mysticism. You know, it's um, when you, the religion of the poor witchcraft and these kind of things are often very practical. You know, it's about how to cure my horse or how to, like in Tadisi's case, it's, you know, I want to save my mother from this disease. It's not abstract. You know, it's very practical. And um, that's definitely something that you find in, in Brazil. And for, I think, a lot of similar reasons. Um, but the other thing about, um, about the Jewish aspect of, of Clarice coming from that area is that she was from a family on 
her mother's side, I'm sorry, on her father's side especially, that were very, very learned people and that they were actually um, rabbis and, and wise people who were, you know, her grandfather was someone who people came from all across their region to consult, you know, because he was so knowledgeable about the holy books and, and this. But on the other hand, they were educated people in a place that was really so isolated. I mean, Podolia is isolated even by the standards of Ukraine in the early 20th century. I mean, it's, it's an isolated region compared to most anywhere else in Europe. I mean, I think you'd have to get into some really mountainous areas like in Albania and, and Romania and the north there to get somewhere that's as abstract. So it all mixes together. And um, But this is, there's this very... Gladysi has this very practical sense of, of, of religion alongside this very elaborate metaphysical thing that it's funny to think that they came from a place that actually... As, as strange and exotic as it would have seemed to them when they got off the boat in Masiyo, you know, it yeah. actually had a lot in common. That is interesting. Um, and now going back to Clarice's work, what makes her work so unique in the context of 20th century Brazilian and Latin American literature? She's um, not quite making the, the sort of fantastic realism that, that Latin American literature is known for. So I get, how, how no, but that comes after. You know, she starts. Um, she starts off in a time when the real thing in Latin American literature is social socialist realism, and not just socialist realism. But you know, that's the left wing variety. The right wing variety is is actually similar. It's this nationalistic exaltation of, of national values, and you have this all over Latin America. In Mexico, you have it in Peru, you have it in Argentina, and Brazil um, has a whole lot of that and her place in Brazilian literature from the very time she appears when she publishes her first novel in 1943 is completely different and people are actually really shocked by it because it doesn't sound anything like anything that had ever been written in Brazil before. Um, Machado Jesse says that um, there's a certain instinct of nationality is the defining quality of Brazilian literature and Clarice doesn't really ever write anything about Brazil. I mean, she writes about, um, in her last novel, The Hour of the Star, um, and in her newspaper columns and things she writes, but um, but she sets herself off by exploring the inner world and the world of sentiments and feelings and of spiritual striving. And I think the... The thing that's so unique about her is that there's no one who strips herself bare as aggressively as she does in her writing. I mean, she she just strips herself down and, and shows her soul for everyone to see in a way that is exhilarating and beautiful, and it's also very scary. You know, like in The Passion According to G.H., when there's this, a novel about a woman who locks herself in the maid's room and watches this dying cockroach for the entire novel. Um, and the climax, when she puts the, the oozing matter of the cockroach in her mouth um, at the height of this mystical crisis, it's pretty terrifying. You know, it's not... Um, it's terrifying in a completely different way than you would have, uh, say, you know, 
um, some of these Mexican writers, for example, writing about the, the poverty of the countryside and the brutality of it, or, or even um, certain works of Argentine literature that talk about the civil wars and the violence of, of life there. It's a totally different kind of violence. It's a spiritual and a mystical violence, and it's fascinating, and it's, um, and it's terrifying. Right. Yeah, I often get the feeling that she, she ends up being political through this personal route. Like she, even in the hour of the start, this, there are very strong critiques there to, you know, to, to society and to sort of what women were being, uh, had to go through. But Oh, yeah, women and Northeasterners and, right. um, and, and, and the poor in Brazil in general. That's very present for her, um, just like it would be for any Latin American writer who... Um, you know, who, who looks around. Um, and especially because Clarice had grown up very poor herself. You know, she was this very glamorous woman and she was married to an ambassador and she traveled the world and everything. But actually she had grown up dirt poor um, with this dying mother and with this incredible hardship of this father who had a very hard time making a living in this completely foreign country. Um, so she did identify with it, but it wasn't really the main theme of her writer. Her writing, her writing is much more about outsiders in general. I see. Um, and what makes her writing particularly avant-garde? Because that's often the word that's attached to her as a writer. Uh, well, she says that um, she goes. A, she goes to a conference in Texas in 1963, and she says that avant-garde is any art that tries to that, that tries to explore something and tries to figure out something new, and. She does that. I mean, she, um, she avant-garde is, to me, the wrong term because avant-garde seems a little more self-conscious than what I think she was doing. Okay. So. I think avant-garde has a manifesto and it has a cafe and it has a magazine and, you know, it has a new mission statement. You know, what she did really was just exploring these really important questions that she had been asking herself since she was a child and which never left her. And that's the title of the book is Why This World, which is a question she asks when she's a, uh, an adolescent. She says, uh, what is the world like and why this world, which um, is a question that is impossible to answer. And it's so it's typical of her and that it's such an obvious question. And yet no one really asks that. Like, why are we here? You know, it's, it's pretty, um, it's an impossible question to answer and I think that's the reason so few people really ask it right and, and I think you write also a little bit about her relationship with her sisters she's the youngest of three right right um, how did that inform because I'm, I'm assuming that her older sisters were had more images and more memories of Ukraine than her and I think she was very young when she moved to Brazil right she was a little bit more than a year old okay um, well her older sisters I knew, I was lucky enough to know Tanya, her middle sister, who died when she was 92, and who was this great lady that I really just loved, and every time I was in Rio, I ran over to her apartment to talk to her. Um, Elisa, her oldest sister, was 11 when she came to Brazil. She was born in 1910, and Elisa experienced the entire violence of the pogroms and the um, thing. And, and Clarice grew up in Brazil without having had those experiences. I mean, those two, Tanya and Abiza, didn't really have a childhood. Um, they had been violently and brutally expelled from their country when they were just tiny little girls. And 
um, I write in the book about the violence of the Ukraine, which was something that's unbelievable. About three million people ended up dying. Um, and it was a place where people regularly ate their relatives. And, um, I mean, There's it was... There's not a lot written about it when you, when you think. I mean, not as much. No, it's not as all as well-known as the Holocaust, right. which is... And that's the reason. This is the Holocaust was worse, but the Holocaust was only worse by a matter of degree. I mean, it was an absolutely horrifying time, and all these things—the mass murders and the rapes and the ethnic cleansing and the um, robbery and, and exile—that was all part of it um, on a massive scale. And um, but so I mean, but she was very close to her sisters. But I think they were all really traumatized by it. I mean, Elisa becomes a novelist as well, and um, quite an okay novelist. I mean, she's not she's not a genius like her sister, mm-hmm. which makes her look worse than if she was just named Elisa Rodriguez or something. Right. It wouldn't have mattered. But um, she she writes quite a lot about this, and she says you never really survive. Part of you, uh, even survivors, never really survive. And I think that's something that people who've written about the Holocaust have also agreed. Right. And going back to Clarice's work, like, do you have a personal favorite, or maybe could you speak uh, about some of the books that sort of struck a chord with you, or, or how did you get started? Uh, how did you get interested in Clarice Spector's work? Well, I got interested in her because I dropped out of Chinese in my first semester in college, mm-hmm. and I had to take another language, and so I ended up taking Portuguese just because, just because. It was still open, you know, three weeks into the semester, and it was, you know, why not? And um, and I discovered Clarice in my third semester when we were doing a Brazilian literature class, and it was um, The Hour of the Star. Okay. And The Hour of the Star has never lost its its beauty for me. Um, you know, it's a book that she writes right when she's dying, even though she doesn't really know she's dying at the time, but she is, and... Um, and it's very much a farewell. And uh, it's a very short book about a Northeastern immigrant in Rio de Janeiro who um, who is the absolute lowest of the low in, in, in society. And Clarice's identification with her is so intense that she gives her a Jewish name, first of all, Maccabea. And Maccabea gets killed at the end, but Clarice can't really let her die, and this is one of the spookiest things about her work, because in some of her earlier works, I mean, you know, the, the couple of years before, she has this characters that she can't let die, and she finally lets Maccabea die, and something like three days after the book comes out, Clarice goes to the hospital and dies herself. So, it's very spooky, and you feel that, too. I mean, I didn't know anything about her when I read that book. But I just knew that this was something that I'd never seen before and that was as beautiful as anything I'd ever seen and that um, made me a little bit obsessed with her, which I still am. And, and the more I read, I mean, Agua Viva is a beautiful book and The Passion According to G.H. and um, uh, Near to the Wild Heart. But um, I think if I had to just take one to the desert island, it would probably be The Hour of the Star. Yeah. I don't know if you had a chance to see the, the film version uh, of the uh-huh. book. It's a fantastic film. Fantastic. And, yeah, and Marcetta Cartaccio like, won the Best Actress Award at the Berlin Film Festival right. for it. And, and, I think and the director had nine children before she decided to become a filmmaker. 
come with a baggage. She's still, she's still around. I mean, she's still making films. You know? I think so. I think so, yeah. And the film has that. But you're right. It's a very somber. And it's also, I mean, weirdly it has this funny moments and of course dark but the kind of I don't know if um, you agree with me but it also has a sort of tragic funny moment oh Clarice is very funny and people don't realize that I think um, even I when I'm talking about it I'm saying that it's dark and violent which it is but it's also there's a gallows humor to it that's brilliant right that's excellent well thank you so much uh, Benjamin um, we we're, we're, we're hoping that are you going to be starting another um, biography or are you already working on another project? No, I'm not. I'm working on this project right now because the book's coming out now in England and in America and it's about to come out in Brazil so I have to finish all that stuff and also work on the the Portuguese translation. Right. Are you translating yourself? No, 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 no. Okay. No. Thank God. But (laughs) I do, I am reading it and I'm providing all the quotes and all the, you know, because there's something like 3,000 footnotes. Oh. <laughs> so it's a lot of work to get all that together, but luckily I imagine. I'm organized. <laughs> Not as organized as I should be, but, you know, close enough. Good. And I think the Brazilian edition will come with um, um, exclusive images or there will be a photo essay attached. With yeah, have images. you talked to them about this? I have not, actually. I, I are we still on the air? Yeah, we are, actually. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> If that's okay, if I can... That's fine. No, we'll see. No one's uh, all over the internet. They haven't really said what kinds of images are going to be on the book, but they say there will be something that has never been published. Well, that's the thing. I mean, this is what they're going to do. I honestly don't really know. I mean, they've talked to me about some possibilities, but the thing about Clarice, especially this book, this photobiography that Nadia Gottlieb did last year, which is incredibly fantastic, it, but it's like 600 pages of pictures of Clarice, so it's hard to find something that hasn't been done. But they tell me they're finding it. Excellent. I hope that they, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do, because if you know the publisher, Kozak Naifi, they're the most, I mean, they're the best design publisher yeah. in Brazil. Yeah, they are. They're very classy. And Anything that's fashion and art and architecture and literature and all that, they do and it's fantastically great so I'm just looking forward to seeing what they come up with excellent congratulations Benjamin so thank Thank you so much for talking to us and uh, um, good luck (laughs) thank you so much okay bye 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 so that was it I'm gonna cut it